0: Hello, wine friends, and welcome back to part two with Lee Isaacs, where we continue our journey into the exciting and wonderful wine of Chile. Now, we're going to touch on Pais, which is one of the most famous Criolla varieties of Chile. Now, when we talk about Criolla, this is effectively, it's a concept. It's a word that basically means it comes from Spanish descent, but then it has evolved within South America. So there are hundreds of Criollo varieties across Chile and Argentina and the like. And actually, Chile's history goes back to, apparently, first vines planted about 1548. There was 300 years where it was just these Criollo varieties growing. And still, so many of them are about now. But... It was the 1800s, as you would have known from our podcast before when we talked about Carmenere, when those Bordeaux varieties, the French varieties, came over to Chile. And actually, fun fact, it was Chile to be the first country to plant international varieties in the whole of South America. Now, alongside Pais, we're actually going to give a lot of attention to Carignan, old vine Carignan. You may have heard of this variety named as Carignena. In Spain, in other parts of Spain, like Penedes and Prigrat, they call it Samso. In Rioja, it's known as Mazuelo. In Sardinia, it's known as Carignano. So it has a few different synonyms. So this is all the same variety. And when it is old vine, it is beautiful. So we're going to be tasting some wines, some old vine Carignan, and discovering one of the associations that are really making waves in Chile, Vigno. Alongside that, we'll also be talking about Movi, another movement that you need to know about. So this is really just an episode to highlight just a few of the grapes, the regions, movements, appellations, techniques that are innovating, that are exciting and that you need to have on your radar. So without further ado, let's go over to the chat now. Are you ready? I feel like we need to talk about some of the other very exciting things of Chile. And I think one of their very exciting things of Chile is Vigno. So Vigno is Vignanores de Carignan. Okay, so what are your thoughts on Vigno?
1: (laughs) I think these people are really thrilling.
0: They are, aren't they?
1: So it was, I I believe this was sort of like uh, 09, 2010, something like that. That's the, the date I've got in my head. Like, 12 businesses, right? 12.
0: Yeah, it was 2010 when it became official.
1: There it is. And, and you've got some big guys in there, or big mm-hmm. people, you know, DiMartino and Torres, and then you've got some slightly smaller scale producers, like Miranda and people like that, saying, hey, we've got this thing here called Carignan, and we're not getting it right. It can't Carignan like this.
0: <laughs> oh, no, you did it again. Right, I'm shutting it down. I'm shutting it down.
1: Yeah, shut on. it down Don't there, go. otherwise it's going to get out of hand. <laughs> so... Not only, right, K- Carmen, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of traction, not a lot, as we've discussed, but there's, there's a bit of something there, you go, okay, we can work with this. Carignan has, I, I went back through because I was really interested because I remember the first time I learned about Carignan and the stuff I learned about it in, in quite a formal way wasn't particularly positive, right? Yeah. It was
0: no, in our, du- in our diploma, you, re- you basically learn, unless it's super old vine, it's shit and bitter and tannic yeah. and
1: yuck. It's this, The description it. of it in um, <laughs> the Oxford Companion to Wine, which is of course required, required reading for anyone in wine, but you know, required reading for Diploma and MW candidates, is um, it was seen as being high in acid, tanning, colour and bitterness, but not in finesse and elegance. Like mm. workhorse right at, at one point, it was the, it was actually France's most common variety because it was so widely planted in the Langdot Russion. This was back in the days of super high volume. It doesn't really matter if the wine's any good or not. We just want liquid to put in a bottle. Right? Carignan's made its way to Chile. It's still got this. There, there was a lot of planting throughout the nineteen forties of Carignan.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then
1: as, as Chile has become more modern, sort of like eighties onwards, everyone's gone. Oh, we've got some Carignan here. I will forget about it as you just said. Shit. Right, let's get some caps over in here, we'll sell that. Right, let's get some Merlot in here, people know what that is. Forget about your Yan. And I remember during lockdown I did I did a few sort of Instagram lives because everybody was doing it and I thought I can lower the average and quality here, I'm gonna get stuck in. Uh-huh. Self esteem issues. I no, I am I'm, I'm factually accurate. But I had, I had a conversation <laughs> with them with Liam Stevenson, Master of Wine. And we were talking about just different grapes and, you know, what would you like to see people think about or talk about or, what? What? what you know, what's an unsung hero, that sort of theme. Um, and he said, you know, Carignan, right? There's yes. all Carignan in France, there's all Carignan in Chile. Yeah. And this stuff is amazing. So going back to your, you know, Vino, um, for these guys you know, 12 years ago to go, right, we're going to stake a bet here on this variety that nobody really understands. Nobody actually... Right, nobody, nobody... Right, has gone into a wine shop and have gone um, I'm looking for some red wine have you, uh, have you got, got any Carignan from Chile right they've not asked for the first bit they've certainly not said the second world. bit I hope someone right? has it's not happened right um, and so Vini saying we want to really get behind this variety and not just get behind this variety we want to do it properly but for the right reasons we want yeah, this to yeah. be sustainable environmentally conscious we're going to put a load of stipulations around it so my understanding is When they started, um, it had to be Carignan, all had to be from the Maule, and it had to be 65% minimum old, dry farmed stuff. So unirrigated, bush vine, head... So you're not just... right. It's mad, right? You're a business trying to make money. I know what we're going to do. We're going to plough time and money into this thing that nobody's asking for, but we're going to (laughs) make sure we make it as hard as possible as well all right so yeah. so you want some carignan yeah can i just have young vine really productive double goo No, no 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 we want really old stuff i'm not going to get a lot of fruit off it don't care right <laughs> look after it that that's the kind of movement wine needs i know there's a huge thing now that the wonderful sarah abbott master of wine is leading the old vine ah, conference which is absolutely vital mm-hmm. uh, and she's phenomenal um I, i've not talked a huge amount to sarah personally but when i have she's been nothing but helpful Willing of her time and knowledge. I know other people who who've sort of interact with her a, a, a lot more, people on the MW program. It, she's one of those people you never hear a bad word about. Ever. Mm-hmm. A, okay. At all. Um, so, you know, there is this movement towards all finds. But again, kind of, Chili kind of got there first, but nobody heard about it.
0: Agreed, agreed. And I think what the amazing. Sorry, the reason I paused was I was having a sip of wine. Um, <laughs> I've I think-
1: driven you to drink. There we go.
0: Uh, Yeah, there you go, there's a quote. What I think is just really interesting that just what you touched on was that it was, a this this didn't start, this wasn't an appellation until 2010. This was literally just like, Andres Gilmore was the person who really pushed this because he believed in the quality. But it was just a group of people originally kind of going, hey, look, we can really do something a bit different and we can focus on something special and unique that we have and believed in it that much. And it's actually gone from strength to strength. So I think there's nearly a thousand hectares of carignan planted just in general now in Chile but obviously the rules here needs to be at least 30 years to go into a Vigno wine but the amazing thing they've done in 10 years they have moved the price point so for a kilo of grapes these growers who were so poor many of them were making 10 cents for a kilo and now they get $1 Dollar fifty a kilo and this has happened in wow. ten years because these guys I think kind of led by Andres Gilmore if this is who, mm-hmm. who's from Gilmore Winery if I if I'm right in thinking that they pushed it they made this a thing so that it really is its own recognized kind of an appellation status because it mm-hmm. has to come from the Sakan- the Secano interior of Maui just mm-hmm. like you said it has all these rules it has to be aged for a minimum of two years so you're asking for a certain quality of grape to be able to fulfill all these categories Um, they've just moved it up now to 70% Carignan so it was 65 okay. right but it's now gone up to 70% Carignan and the rest has to be I believe again other field blends old it still has mm-hmm. to be old vines it still has to be bush vines so it's still kind of keeping with the the same quality um and for everybody listening you cannot miss a Vigno wine because like the rules state that Vigno, V-I-G-N-O, Vigno needs to be the biggest thing on the label. It has to be bigger than the winery name. It has to be bigger than the region and the name of the grape, everything. Vigno is going to be the biggest thing. So it's really easy to spot. So that that's clever marketing.
1: And do you know what? I think that's the thing that Chili's a really odd mix for me in that marketing sense because some of the best marketing stories come out of Chile. And that's a, that's a yeah. very broad conversation, but then certain things, that are stories. So this is a great yeah. example. Like it's taken a little while for this to get out. Right, it's a great market. It's a great marketing story primarily because it's true. And however good a marketing story is, when it's based in truth, it's even better. Like you don't mind telling a story, right? A lot of marketing is telling stories, but when the story happens to be true, you go. There's certain things here that you're not talking about, right? Let, mm-hmm. Let's get this story. And and this equates to. I can't remember when this was, it was it was pre COVID, so it was probably three, four years ago. There was a big thing in the national press here in the UK about the price of milk, right? And suddenly the entire public realized that a lot of farmers, producers of milk weren't being paid fairly for their milk. And everybody went, This is this is atrocious. We've got to pay these people a fair price to actually what this costs. You go, you can apply the sa- you can apply the same thing to any product, I get that. You can apply this to wine. People want really high quality wines. You've got to pay for it. There's a quote, and I I am jumping ahead slightly, but we'll bring it back. (laughs) There's a quote from from Derek Mossman, who has some relevance in terms of the wine I've got. And he he describes his wines as, you know, they're not made to be expensive per se. It's just the quality we want and the work that takes commands a premium. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. And, And the sooner we accept that in all different things, not just wine, the better, but the more we can get that marketing story out, and Chileans are great at telling stories. Oh, yeah. The only, the only people perhaps that might beat Chileans for telling stories are South Africans. Right? The Afrikaans' tradition of storytelling is phenomenal. Chileans run them a very, very close second, in my opinion, from people I've heard tell stories. There are lots of great storytellers. Uh, I'm not amongst them. <laughs> but you know that, the, the, the way it, and, and you know you've you spent a lot of time in Chile with Chilean wineries you, mm. you hear them tell that story there's, it's just different gravy when they tell that story mm. there's so much potential here
0: yeah absolutely and Old Vine Carignan anyway as we've said, you know, it does become less tannic as it ages, and then it becomes so much more balanced. And so you get these beautiful, kind of, you know, cassis notes with raspberries and cranberries mm-hmm. mixing in with kind of herbs and this kind of wildflowers. And this is weird
1: because it sounds like you've actually tasted the wine I've got, Ooh. which I opened about an hour and a half ago. Well, I opened do... about two, three hours ago. It sounds nice. like you're writing a tasting note for the wine that I've got here. So
0: I think. Which is amazing. I... Uh, let's go to your wine what have you got <laughs>
1: um that, that wasn't in, i wasn't intentionally trying to drive you to talk about my wine it was, it was no just, it's you, time you genuinely just described. so i've got i mentioned Derek mossman who's um yes
0: i love Derek, and i've met him several times and i used to sell his wines as a sommelier so i'm a massive oh, okay. fan of garage wine co massive exactly
1: fan. so I've, I've actually not yet met Derek, unfortunately, our paths haven't crossed. We've uh, communicated quite a lot on social media and and Mm. had some private messaging things. Um, Derek's a a bit of a winemaking hero for me. I I love his brand. I love what he stands for. I've not tried all of his wines. He's been going since sort of 2000, 2001. I've tried a lot of them. And, you know, when you sort of, we've all got heroes from different aspects of our lives. When I think about winemaking heroes, Derek is definitely up there for me. He's one of mine. So I've got Garage Wine, it, now, this is 2013 vintage. It's called Lot 48, and that's because it was the 48th wine uh, he made, um, him and his wife, Pilar. So, Lot 48, Portazuelo vineyard. Vignard, so it's in a tartar, Carignan field blend. So it's it's actually it's 90% Carignan, there's 10% Sanso in here. But it's mm. 2013. I spoke to Derek about this wine probably a couple of years ago. Um, we, were, we were messaging, uh, and he said, oh, actually, you probably want to get think about getting that drunk. Um, and I've opened it today... Wow! a well, uh, wow, it blew me away. It <laughs> vibrant, perfumed, delicate. It was like falling into a warm summer meadow of red flowers. There's like mm. violets and peonies and roses and jasmine and lilac. And and I'm now giving the very pretentious tasting notes that I always say I don't like, <laughs> but actually I really do like them. Um, and then mm. it, and it, it's everything you said. I got hit with this like raspberries, mm. but like this wine's. Well, it's twenty thirty. It's nine years old. Those raspberries are so fresh and pure, and That's then strawberries, amazing. and then there's spice, and there's like a there's a little jolt of kind of minty menthol. It's neither mint nor menthol. It's like mm. in between, perf- but perfectly. And the palate, ah, oh, mid weight. The tannins are fine, and they kind of melt in the mouth. And it's got this kind of electric acidity that drives everything. It's fresh, and it's got these. It's got a lovely herbal note, like a a bit of sage and a bit of thyme. I mean, this is ridiculous. (laughs) There is no need for an old vine carignan that's got nearly 10 years on it in the bottle to be this good. I'm pretty sure it's illegal in 40 states. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Do you know how much it costs? Because I mean, I can always check this out later. Do you have I, to know?
1: I, I I can find out. So
0: and and the thing is, you've held it back. So to buy that wine now is not going to be possible. But it goes to show, even what is a current vintage release now, because um, people, if they can behave themselves, can buy it and know it's going I to think last.
1: The current is like 18, 19 because mm. it, it spends a couple of years in old old oak so yeah. i think current vintage is probably eighteen nineteen. i so i bought this from noble green but i bought this ah uh, 20 2019 so i've i've had this for a while i paid 27 quid for it okay an amazing absolute bargain now 27 quid i i think the economics of wine is is quite an interesting conversation but not one for here 27 quid is <laughs> a lot of money on a bottle of wine for anybody right? Certainly that, you know, I, I imagine that most people like us, um, it's a lot of money. Oh, it's, it's, worth, still, it. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Wow. Oh, okay. That's one of the best 27 quids I've dropped on a bottle of Fact. Ever. Wow. It's okay,
0: brilliant. I'm do you know, and, but then everybody, anything from Garage, Garage Wine Co., you are going to get, he is small, he's quality focused. Um, it's, it's very artisanal. He works yeah. with people of the community. He's got, but we'll talk, do you know what? We're going to talk about him in a minute when we go on to the Movi yes. movement. So we will pause on Derek. He will get his fame in a moment. Let's, I'm going to finish off with my wine because my wine is also a carignan. My wine is actually—is yours actually Vigno?
1: No, not this His, one. He hasn't,
0: so we don't know exactly what he's up. My one is so mine is, and actually, what's nice, I think you—I think you mentioned about Vigno. there's no rules like it has to be small producers. It can be large. It can be anybody as long as they follow those rules and they have the right focus, right? So Torres, I've got Miguel Torres, who actually (laughs) conveniently, it says on the label, pioneer in Chile since 1979, (laughs) which is useful for me. So I don't even need to know the date. Torres is an amazing winery. I mean, they they, they kind of set up in Curico, the region Curico which is south of uh, Colchagua. And basically he came, he's from, came from Spain, loads of money to invest. And he was the first, he brought the first stainless steel tanks Mm -hmm. and pneumatic presses to South America. I mean, that is actually amazing when you think about what Torres has done to South America. Well, Chile specifically, because that's where he is. And he also brought along as if that wasn't enough, a whole load of French barrels. So Miguel Torres alone changed so so much.
1: So Torres, I was going, I was going to compare him. Just hear me, I was going to compare him to Oasis, but that's not fair. Um, (laughs) That's not fair, simply because um, he wasn't repeating something; he was starting something new. So I'm going to go even back before that. Uh And and for anybody listening, you know, I am Northern, and I was born in the 80s, so you know, Oasis runs in my blood. Even I don't have any choice in it. It's not your fault. (laughs) Uh, It's not my fault. I can't help it. You you go. Uh He was the Beatles, right? Because mm-hmm. in terms of Chile, Miguel Torres went in and went, "Have you considered doing stuff this way?" And they went, "What?" Mm, like the Beatles yeah. went, "You know, if you pick up a guitar and play like three or four chords, and you can have a harmony, you can write a great song." And everybody went, "Oh fuck yeah, let's try that." That's what Miguel Torres did in Chile and went, um, "These ramly barrels you've been messing around with, forget that for a bit. Let's get some oak in here. Let's get some stainless. Let's get some temperature control." And Chileans are going, "What? You can control the temperature?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Groundbreaking for Chile. That that was, he was at the start of where Chile's fortunes turned around from what they were to where they're.
0: Exactly, and people need to understand that was 1979 mm-hmm. when he arrived. So this is the point: Chile has not been around making premium quality juice for very long. They be they have a history going mm-hmm. back to the 1500s of making wine.
1: Sorry, this this recorded instance of Lord Byron's uncle was an admiral and he was shipwrecked in Southern Chile. And sort of by the time he'd made his way back to Blighty, he spoke really highly of the wines he was drinking in Chile. But there, were, there was obviously a lot of Moscow, of Alexandria, particularly down in the south. There was, mm-hmm. I think he described them as being made in a sort of style similar to Madeira. It's obviously yes, quite okay. oxidised. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. and so you're, and that's part of what makes Chile really exciting. There's this huge history. But really, it only starts in 1979 from a serious quality perspective. But yes. really, again, that story then only really starts in the early 2000s in terms of the UK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's like different sort of parts of the history coming together. But how is, I, I keep interrupting, which is incredibly rude of me, Nina. I'm sorry. You how are
0: is rude. this wine? So,
1: I'm so i <laughs> not dreadful. inviting you
0: back. <clears throat> no, um, I wouldn't. W- do you know what? This wine is, is, is actually pretty good. This is a 2016, so it's interesting. We both had some chili and wine on the shelf for like a really long time waiting mm. to be opened. So it's been a good opportunity, hasn't it, to, to open up a bottle of Carignon each. So this is 2016, and this is from Maule. So above, yours is from Atata. Mine is <laughs> um, slightly further north, just above Atata in Maule. And um, th- very different from what you described in terms of, mine is very muscular. Mine is <laughs> very, very grippy. There's this lovely, like much more of the... There's still a little bit of red currant in there, but a lot more blackberries and black currants. There's a darker fruit um, edge, but it's quite musky. It's got that Mm -hmm. musky, perfumed, slightly earthy edge. But I think that's coming through with a little bit of kind of oak aging. But really, along with this kind of broad-shouldered, intense fruitiness, it's kind of dark and grippy. It's just got this lovely herbaceous note as well. So a nice bit of kind yeah, a nice bit of thyme in the dried and really dried herbs. But it's got a lot going on. Like, again, I won't, we won't faff around and do much talking on this. But I got this. I got this from Waitrose a few years ago. So again, of course, it's not the current vintage. So maybe eighteen mm-hmm. nineteen is going to be the current vintage now. And it, if I can remember correctly, it was literally £14. Pounds. So oh. to spend £14... Pounds, now, I'm n- not going to lie. This is not mind-blowing. And I think that... Could it evolve... You know, I think it's got a few more years in it and then it would go down. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not going to age a a, a great deal. But for what it could, the fact that it is still so fruit driven, it's powerful, it's robust. This is a robust wine. This will go against any, go well with any steak, any grippy, fatty meats. It's going to really pull it down. It's a really, and it's, it's got that freshness to go with all the power. So yeah, it gets a thumbs up from it. 14 pounds.
1: Yep, Right. 14 quid readily available waitrose mm-hmm. that's you know high street okay right the, the garage wine i've got here that's independent merchant so yeah it requires a little bit more effort to seek it out you can't yeah. just walk into my go, turn and get that right so you've picked it up on the high street for 14 yep. quid this is made from a minimum of 30 year old vines
0: yeah yeah wow Isn't wine it?
1: will never cease to amaze me like that, and again, we, we we've talked about the spiritual. I'm not actually what I, I wouldn't class myself as a spiritual person um, at all. But, now, but, but but there's this. I, I have this philosophy. Life is just a series of moments. Again, there, mm. there is a many. There are many philosophers have quoted on this. Life's a series of connected moments, right? And most of those moments are pretty dull and forgettable. It's paying bills and taking the bins out and all that. And I believe that what we should try and do is make each moment, give each moment, as much meaning as possible, and that's. One of the many reasons that wine is so important to me is not because it wine brings meaning to a moment when I drink it, when I consume it. but you're tasting that wine there, right? That's made from thirty of us. How many people have interacted in that wine that you mm. could never meet for whatever yeah. reason you somehow and I'm trying not to be sort of overly spiritual because that isn't actually my intention. you I have some mind. kind of connection to all those people right now, right? Mm. Wine wine is the capturing of so many moments and so many lives and so many emotions in one bottle. It's a time capsule, not just when it was, but all of the work that went into it before it, and not just from the year it was made, but from all the years before that to maintain the vines.
0: Namaste, that, my but, friend.
1: And you've paid 14 quid for it. That is incredible. Namaste,
0: amigo. Namaste. <laughs> so let's move on to Movi because I think we have established that old vine carignan is a-okay it is delicious you can find vigno very easily but movi movi you're not going to see on a label because it's not actually an appellation it is not a certification this is the movimiento de vigneteros independientes and this is where we can come back to derek because he with his garage wines was one of the big Instigators. So again, there was mm-hmm. just twelve of them that have set it up. I think there's now a lot. There's probably so there's and, more than
1: that. Huh? Yeah. Well,
0: last I mean there was at least thirty. I yeah. there anyway. There's a lot more now in the list and anyone can go to the movie website but the idea of this is that they instead of wine to chili representing them they come together and they help each other they support each other it's like a friendship you have to be small so this Mm -hmm. is when i was saying in the first episode that the three biggest wineries are responsible for a third of all the exports this is the complete opposite so
1: movie i think account for is it 0.1% Chilean uh, production, right? No,
0: no, no, no. 0.1% of the world of wine. Like oh, the world just, of wine. Yeah, they are literally just, yeah. Mm. Like that is, that, in no, the that is small,
1: right? Mm-hmm. But it's, well, I've got to say it because it's what I think. It's a, it's a really socialist approach, right? Mm. Everybody's supporting each other. Yeah. They go out and they talk about all of their wines, not just the ones that they've specifically made. They talk about the friends' wines that are in this same group. Yeah, and that's how we move forward in anything. And I, I, I will make, but I will not come and do your wonderful podcast with any form of politics because it's not—it's not relevant <laughs> at all right now. But that's how we—that's how we grow by working together yeah. and supporting each other, right? Yeah. Um, and the kind of thing that MoVi stands for is, you know, representing how wine is entwined with culture, but doing things properly, mm. you know, sustainable farming, regenerative farming, looking after the earth itself. Because yeah. if we don't do that, we won't be able to make wine at all so even if it's not for entirely altruistic reasons but doing that for the right reasons you can't do it on your own it's all very well being a really tiny producer right you grow two hectares and you do everything properly in inverted comma, sustainably environmentally conscious all that that's not going to affect the change enough you need more people right so you need you need scale and one of the ways of doing it is by getting all of these much smaller scale producers to work together. I think it's a fantastic movement. Um, I, I absolutely love what they stand for.
0: And did you know, that? because I think this is probably what inspired movies. So that actually came about one year before Vigno officially. So this is 2009 that mm. they actually mm. set it up. But in Chile, they have the largest average winery size in the world. Mm. You know, Chile is big, big yeah. scale. And so this is so nice. And so one of the rules as well, which I really like, is that you can't have any marketing Mm. people at a tasting. It has to be either the winemaker or the owner. That's it. And I think, you know, and that gives people a real understanding of what this is, right?
1: I've got this written in my notes. And again, it's quite clever. So it's definitely not original. I think I've got it from their website, (laughs) um, where they said wines made on a human scale. And also, you know, it's pitching that and saying it doesn't mean that big stuff is wrong. Or bad, or any—that's yeah. that, not. That's not the con That's a different conversation, which is an interesting conversation, but it's a different one. This is yeah. wines made at the really small scale, mm-hmm. like this is the dirt under the fingernails thing, and yeah. there's stuff being made here that we we wouldn't get to try anywhere in the in the UK. Mm-hmm. But by doing it this way, there's, there's maybe opportunities, yeah. and these wines have are, are just as valid as anything else. But they often get overlooked because they're small. They don't have big marketing budgets. They can't afford to send x amount of samples to UK buyers or US buyers, that can't afford to fly over to the UK for a week and tram have got to find a different way of doing it. And that's what they're doing. And it'd be, it'd be really easy when you're this small to not bury your head in the sand, but just go, I do what I do. I'll never achieve anything, but it's a living. Mm. No, fair enough. I'm, I'm not knocking that at all, in case it sounded that way. It wasn't my intention. But to go, <laughs> right, let's find a way of making a difference with yeah. wine, this most yeah. wonderful of things.
0: And I think, actually, for everybody who's listening in England – a really good place to start actually if you want to look for apart from Garage, Garage is part of the movie. And they also garage, and, Yeah garage. And 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 they're part of Vigno as well. They're they're <laughs> in both. Yeah, we're both big fans, aren't we? But so they and they are actually big enough and Derek is just a superstar that he and he's made some very clever decisions that you will find mm. him and lots of independent wine merchants. So that's look for Garage. But if you're yeah. looking online naked wines with the way that they work as a business where they work with winemakers and the winemakers almost make specific wines for them. And the whole, you know, you become an angel when you sign up to the naked wines club, blah, blah, blah. I'm not part of naked wine, so I don't know the full ins and outs, but they have quite a few of the winemakers making wines for them. So a really good way to taste quite a lot of those wines from winemakers who really are small scale making only a few thousand bottles that are really mm. super soil under the fingernails style mm. naked wines is a good place to to find a few of them i think I latina so that's um irene mm-hmm. paiva so an amazing female winemaker and oh, actually another female winemaker constanza schwada so she she mm. makes some wines the Kimbao wines in naked so there's a few there's a few that people can look out for
1: definitely you know what we're seeing with just, I suppose bring this back to the Carignan, because it's something that occurred to me. And again, it sort of fits the narrative of Chile, where, where Chile's tried to be, for a long time, tried to be what people wanted rather than being what it should be. Mm. Um, and that goes back to what I was saying, you know what, what the appeal of the wine industry is. It's an industry that you can grow into and find your own voice. It seems that Carignan sums up that narrative nicely as well, because for so long it was being forced to be something that it didn't want to be and finally thanks to all of this great work in Chile with people like Movi and, and Vigno it's kind of found its true identity and I, I've already referenced this person before but Kierkegaard said the most common form of despair <laughs> is not being who you are and Chile is finding out who it is Movi are pioneering that Vigno are pioneering that and these old vine expressions are Carignan, it's finally figuring out who it really is rather than what some people want it to be for a commercial reason
0: yeah. And I think the exciting thing is like we've talked about this, the small scale. We've talked mm. about the old vines and this is where I think Chile now gets to lead. And this is what sets Chile apart from many other places. It's those old vines. And yeah. it's we've, we haven't touched on old vine Pais. I mean, <sighs> Pais is perhaps the unofficial Great variety of chili, and it certainly Mm -hmm. should be, right? You know, and actually, there's a decent amount of pais planted in Chile. And although pais is actually planted across the whole country, you can find it across the whole country. The majority is Maule and further south. So, Mm Maule, Itata, and B.O.B.O. And this is where you've got those 200, 300-year-old vines that are just gnarly and knackered and twisting and, uh, oh, and you, You've
1: got a producer, I think, called Leo Arazzo.
0: Oh, who's my got, God, got so He yes. makes mm-hmm. Pais
1: mm-hmm. from vines planted in 1789. Oh, my God. That's like and 1789, no, There's there's loads of vines. We'll say so vine, Making fruit or vines planted in the eighteen seventies. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is pre phylloxera rootstock. This is original stock. This is this is Like this is like what three and a half Joe Bidens, right? This is oh, this is <laughs> mega old, mega old kit, right? It's got Keith Richards' fingers, but it, but it still rocks, right? You look uh-huh. at Keith Richards' hands and you go, you can't play the guitar anymore. Oh, he can. Right, these vines are 200 years old. I'll yeah. I'll show you what we can do. Incredible.
0: And to be fair, these pies vines could probably give a better presentation than Joe Biden. Do you know what I mean? They could do it. A... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they would definitely be more... Of... Like,
1: the, the difference here is, is you're sort of tasting this pie from these old vines and you're not asking the question, is this the best you've got? But um, <laughs> anyway... I, I, Moving uh, on, we don't do politics. So. I said we weren't going to do that. you apologize. No, we're not, do- we're
0: not doing it. So, you know, the thing is with Pais, which is amazing, and it's like that. They- it's really resistant to disease. It's resistant mm-hmm. to heat. It's resistant to drought. So much so, actually, other producers in Chile now are actually using the rootstocks of Pais in other places where, for instance, you know, of course, there's no phylloxera in Chile. That's something as well we haven't even touched on, how incredible, you know, and unique Chile is. It's the only country in the world without phylloxera. But mm-hmm. they might change their rootstocks for now. Nematodes, other bugs or different soil types and whatever. And the fact that Pais actually is just so resistant to disease and drought, it's an amazing rootstock to graft different vines onto. And (laughs) a lot of Chileans are using that now. But it's a, oh, I love Pais. And I think the future could be Pais, where we ask for less oak now, we ask for less alcohol. You know, I always say, if I'm describing Pais as a great variety, it's like, so if Pinot Noir and Gamay had a love child, and that love child went a little astray... And like had a really bad criminal teenage years, but then kind of sorted itself out, but still has all the tattoos. You can see like all the piercings, but now they've kind of got a pretty good job. But you're like, oh, yeah, you, you, you're right. They carry their history on their body. That's Pais.
1: Yeah, it's got a respectable job. You go, oh, what did now, you do when you grew grown up? I used to be in a, I was in a punk band hmm. uh, and I used to tip over bins. Totally, so yeah, or,
0: cow, or cow tipping You know they would push over and cows cow, oh,
1: love a bit of cow tipping it's
0: No you can't Does anybody um, actually do that? Is that I, not just uh, like an urban myth? Do people actually tip cows? Uh, I,
1: I can't say anything Until I have um, a better legal team So <laughs> best leave that one Best <laughs> leave that one there But no Pais has, So the real interesting thing And I was like you've already said A really interesting thing There's another interesting thing Right?
0: What is the other interesting the, thing?
1: The, Pais And you've mentioned you know, in California It's got Mission. Uh, in Argentina, Criogia, um mm-hmm. all the way back to the Spanish Listam Prieto. This grape variety, its ultimate history, is the history oh, yeah. of human oh. movement.
0: Oh, totally. You, you, it's you pick it up
1: from Spain's Listam Prieto, the Spanish head over to the Americas, it ends up in America called Mission, travels south. Now, that is, I think that's quite a profound thought, which should tell you that it's not actually my thought, that came from. Uh, you don't a very, have any very good friend. Thought. I don't have any original thoughts, no. Yeah. But that, that um, came from a very good friend of mine who <laughs> she was studying WSET and I was teaching. Uh, a very good friend of mine based in Barbados called Onika, who you, you should. Uh, Onika Johnson, you should, John, you should most definitely follow her on social media. She's brilliant. Okay, um, okay. But she came up with that, you know, this grapes and overall are the history of human movement, but this grape, particularly Pais. It's that, again, it's this this sense of history that this great variety represents, and then you look at what it can do. And it's, again, it's, you know, there's really varied styles out there, and all of them are engaging and and interesting.
0: And you know, interestingly enough, just like in part one, we said everyone go and get your Carmenere because November the twenty fourth is Carmenere day. Well, Beaujolais Nouveau is also oh, coming yes, up. Or it actually, is. it depends. It depends on when this podcast comes out. I need to work out. Anyway, either it's coming up or it's just come or it's just happened. I'm not <laughs> sure. And um, so, obviously, Beaujolais Nouveau. We that's Gamay. I already told you that Pais has. You know, I've described it as a bit of a love child of Gamay. Well, Beaujolais Nouveau is all about drinking young it's released mm-hmm. three weeks after harvest it's great chilled, it's light, it's juicy it's fun, well a lot of the more fun, natural movement of Chile is playing around with Pais, making mm-hmm. it in a very minimal intervention style it might be called Pipeno. they might put that on the label or they might make a reference to Pepeño and that is almost Chile's version of Beaujolais Nouveau, so maybe mm-hmm. Go and get your Carmen Air if you haven't already and go and get try and find a natural styled pais. And actually pais is quite good as a natural wine because it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to oxidize as quickly as others. It's quite good made in the natural way. Yeah. So definitely. um oh but it, it just just to give people a little bit more reference okay because we we're getting a bit excited and then probably not actually um <laughs> coming down to what is spice. i've kind of given you an idea that it's this rock star great variety but this is generally you know light body might go up to medium body it's got beautiful red fruits again a bit like gamay and pinot noir it has this lovely earthiness spiciness floral note it always has a rusticity of tannins but now whereas the vines have got old they know how to make it in the winery a bit of carbonic mass sometimes changing the temperatures so that they can take color but not take tannin it is softer it is more approachable and it's just beautiful and they're making it in sparkling wines in fact yes Yes. go back to torres my producer of this episode torres makes a sparkling rosé pice which i think actually is probably the most sold pice in the world because most pice is actually very small production they make thousands and Mm -hmm. thousands of cases so that one's really, really easy to to find, and they also do their Reserva del Pueblo, which is their still red, actually. So you know that they're probably actually higher production, but there's so many producers that are just doing that Pipeno, that old-fashioned, traditional style of making wine, which is actually so exciting.
1: We've seen Chile through the eyes of conformity.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: There's a lot of non-conformist stuff going on. again. No one's knocking on the door going, "Um, have you got any of this old pies from Chile? But can I have it fizzy? Nobody's asking for that. Doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. Right. Let's take a chance. If it doesn't work, we've learned something. Mm. Maybe maybe make it less fizzy. Maybe make it more fizzy. Who knows? These things, this is boundary pushing.
0: Oh, t- totally! And you can get white pieds. Bouchon, the yes, producer Bouchon, yes. they've Big got fan their, of those. Oh, well, they're champions of Pais, right? They have. Yes. They are the famous winery that have Pais growing in trees in the forest next to their vines. They have to
1: climb up ladders at harvest. It's insane. And stuff. It's incredible. I think they're represented in the UK by Condor, aren't they? Condor ones, I believe. Uh, yes,
0: and everybody um, should get the pieds salvaje. So the, yes, salvaje means wild Pais salvaje. It is absolutely insane that's, that's really... cracker oh absolutely and actually i just i want to touch on pepeño one more time for one second because i realize i keep on saying oh it's the traditional way and there's a return to the traditional way and people are probably going what's the <laughs> traditional way <laughs> and i'll just leave it there no so this is obviously like pressed by feet Actually, in fact, before that, they de-stem... The feet, sorry,
1: sorry, the, the feet are attached to a living human being. They've not just oh, yeah. got somebody's foot and they're jabbing it into the tank. Thank just you. To, in case no. there was any ambiguity there.
0: Yep, no, 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 thank you for the clarity. Yep. Before that, though, because I jumped ahead, they, they de-stem very often, unless they're doing carbonic maceration, and they'll destem stem with a thing called a zeranda. A ziranda, which is this, like, de with made from bamboo and it has this way especially with the creola varieties that you can you can, it's a much more gentle way to de-stem mm. so you get this softness with the tannins which I just think is beautiful so already they've used this bamboo de-stemmer they're pressing by feet and the feet are attached to humans as you've clarified which is great <laughs> they ferment in these like native beach casks so they it's called Rowley. it's the a raole, special yeah. Chilean woods and it comes from their, their forests. And then they often after fermentation age them in these pipas. And that's where pipenia comes from, pipas, mm-hmm. which are like these pipes made from, they're like these vats made of rowley wood. The whole thing is, is so beautiful. If you go to the outback, if you go to Maule and Itata, where there's all these bush vines and it's not organized rows of vines, there's still people going around on horses. It's so mm-hmm. This is where, unfortunately, people can't afford to live properly. It's a it's a whole different world in Chile down there. But you know, this you'll see people selling on the street these pipenos or actually chacoli, um and uh, ch- chicha. So I think it's chicha, but they've all got these different names yeah. uh, for basically just natural you know, wines that they make from their vines in their garden for their family. Chicha
1: goes back to the, you know, when vines were first planted down here in the 1500s and the the, the native population like the Mapuche would go and, you know, mm. the, the Spanish were coming in and planting vines and the Mapuche would come and just not tear the vines apart. They'd steal all the fruit to make chicha. So mm-hmm. again, like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have that. We can get some booze out of it. Thanks very much. You know, so yeah. again, history, and we, you look at us here in the UK and we, we, we're kind of getting really excited about kefevery production in the old Georgian ways and things like that. And you go all, and that's great. And there's, there's some real stories there. These Rowley barrels and the are like again, clay pots. Oh, yes. They were doing yes, it in Chile, you know. So we're going to have that conversation. Let's get Chile at the table as well because Mm -hmm. it deserves a place there
0: yeah agreed and i think that this is the thing for far too long Chile, what they did was they focused on exports and they said Mm -hmm. what does the market want oh they want we need to do high yields because then we can produce lots of cheap juicy easy drinking wine and they they delivered and they delivered beautifully but now it's about showing actually what is Chile's identity let's not just focus entirely Mm -hmm. on what the market once. Let's focus on diversity of which Chile that is always that was my message when I work for you know, we're talking desert in the north, glaciers in the south, the mm-hmm. Andes mountain range to the east, and this beautiful, Pacific. freezing Pacific Ocean. These four natural boundaries, it's this incredible, skinny long country with like literally every type of climate, every different soil, every different terroir, beauty it's in abundance.
1: Viticultural paradise. Mm. Low disease pressure. Vines. No phylloxera. Phylloxera can't get in because of the four boundaries you've mentioned. Yeah. and strict rules. Diverse, diverse, very strict rules. I remember getting off a plane in Santiago and I had a banana skin.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> they the, took it. I think the you. banana
1: on the plane. I got into a lot of trouble. Well, um, did they?
0: They can find you. They can. Yeah, they you
1: can. I, I, I didn't because I just went. Oh, look at this stupid Brit. Um, <laughs> uh, which, which indeed, I am stupid and British. So. Um, but what they did issues. do was, was they threw the banana skin on the floor and then said, you can walk out the door, and I tripped over it, and it was hilarious, and they filmed it, and uh, I got 250 oh. pesos because it went on there. No, all of that I didn't happen, but ha, yes, yeah, ha, I, I, ha. I got off the plane with a banana <laughs> skin, and it was like, what, what do you think you're doing with that? It's like, it's a banana skin. Uh, you're not bringing that in, son. Um, wow. You know, but it, it, you know they have those those rules for a reason. It, it Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Very strict, it is but It's absolute paradise. Worthwhile, yeah. So everyone, get down. And then we've talked about Pies, we've talked about Carignan, but go and check out the Muscatel de Alexandria. I think you yeah. know you mentioned that that there's lots mm-hmm. of old vines there, and many of these same the the movie movement. These winemakers, they're working with old vine Muscatel. There's mm-hmm. Sanso, old vine Sanso. Oh yes, yeah. God, right? All, so
1: all sorts of stuff out there that you just you don't have to dig very. Far below the surface yeah, to find all this history, all these what we consider to be weird varieties. They're not weird at all, they're just not mainstream.
0: Well, everybody listening, let me know if you've enjoyed us, like literally going on about getting very, very <laughs> excited about what we think <laughs> is exciting.
1: I needed to ask you something um, ask because we're me. recording this in November. Obviously, there's yes. a thing coming up at the end of December, and I know you know a what, lot about called, Chile and you have what, tremendous experience New Year? With, with Chile. Courtney, yeah. Um, do you know what Chilean winemakers like to eat for Christmas?
0: Oh, I don't. Uh, I would have gone with steak and barbecue and meat.
1: No, Chilean winemakers at Christmas, they like to eat mint pies.
0: What? Do they? M-
1: min- mince pies. Pies, pies, pies.
0: Oh, oh shit, no. that. Oh god! Yeah, just
1: edit that out. It's not really that. Good. It's funny on paper. That one.
0: Oh god! No. Do you know what? It kind of is funny, and <coughs> regardless of it, whether it's funny or not, it's actually almost slightly um awkward. So I'm going to keep it in. and on and and on that note lee i think we're done
1: i think so we Um. have
0: killed the episode lee thank you thank you for sharing oh my god i honestly i told people in the episodes before that you have more passion than me and i do think you do and i i think together i don't know if we've we've like maxed it out and everyone turned off like we went to a frequency where they couldn't hear us anymore
1: um, well, hopefully they, they couldn't hear me. What, what they've probably got is just me doing the Charlie Brown song. Wow, 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 wow. Um, <laughs> what, what I did want to say, and I, I've got to make sure I get this in before we go off on, on other tangents, mm. is, and I'm not saying this because you've asked me as a guest, this is not only a, a great wine podcast, it's a great podcast, and what you do is no. so important. And I wish that when I was doing the diploma, I'd had this as a resource, because it would have made... A huge difference what what you're That's creating so is is exactly that is a tremendous resource for anybody studying wine mm-hmm. whether it's you know level one or diploma or even beyond that but to, to ask me on with the caliber of guests that you usually have on here um mm-hmm. and i you know we make jokes about self-esteem and that uh, it, it genuinely you get incredible people on here um so just to be in that Pantheon, admittedly, at the back, sweeping up.
0: No, um, is stop very, it.
1: very kind and generous of you. So, thank you.
0: And to finalize from my side, and for everybody to understand, apart from the fact that I love talking with you and I admire your passion, and you energize me, and I think more of us need to be in this world talking about wine in this way, right? So, that's why I wanted you on here. But you have started your podcast and everybody needs to go and check out the podcast the maker and the merchant because you're like three episodes in i've been listening it's very different to mine but still very educational but so fun and there's a lot of pop references stuff that i can't even do i told you like i just my brain doesn't even work i don't get that at all but it's so clever lots of those puns lots of the quotes it's just really easy and you come away and you learn some new things and whereas i do structure in terms of one theme one episode you cover so many little things in each episode so it's really fun and you can take away loads so I want everyone to go and check that out because there's never enough wine learning in my opinion and the way you describe wine it got me so excited the minute I finished listening to you I sent a message and saying you've got to be on the podcast because I wanted you to talk about your carignan and you did it beautifully so thank well. you
1: Thank you. That's very, very kind. Anything that is good about the maker and the merchant is, of course, my wonderful co-host, Fergus Elias, who I know has guest starred here.
0: My winemaker from Melbourne. Uh, your
1: winemaker. But yes. that's it's what, what we're aiming for to, to be. We made a point of not trying to be like, as much as we admire your podcast, we, we we can't do what you do. We're just not good enough to do what you do. Oh, stop it. So we do, we do what we do um, in a very different way. And you know hopefully people enjoy it but that's very very do what to you say. do
0: and do it best exactly nobody is like you but you so be and, uh, you.
1: As, as shakespeare said in all's well that ends well no legacy is so rich as honesty oh
0: and there we go signing out thank you lee
1: No, much thank appreciated you. absolute pleasure
0: <laughs> thank you bye take care bye so I really hope that's got you super inspired to go out and try more exciting Chilean wines and we just touched on a few of the new associations there's Chanchos Deslenguados to check out or Colchagua Singular there's Slovino Casablanca Off so check out these associations see what they're doing and go and search those wines now to finish off I have a quote for you from a man called Ralph Waldo Emerson known widely as the man of letters in America sadly not South America but you know I wanted to find a quote that you know had some meaning after all those quotes that Lee has been able to just pull out of his hat and so Ralph says in this quote wine is both the manifestation and the bearer of spirit to the soul. I shall leave you all to contemplate on that meaning. Right, to let you know what is happening next week, I have a really interesting guest. I am talking to Carlos De Dejusus, who works for Amarim. Now, have you ever really given consideration to where your cork comes from, how it's made, how it got in the bottle? Well, Amarim is the world's leading company in the cork sector. And so we're going to be talking about sustainability, about the cork, trees in Portugal, how they make the corks and so much more. So I hope this is going to be an education for everyone because certainly there's so many questions that i have to ask that i have no idea about the answers so make sure you join me back here next week make sure you've subscribed if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode like this podcast share it with all your wine loving friends take a screenshot and share this across your social media platforms and if you have the opportunity to leave a rating on your podcast app please do as it makes the podcast more discoverable be kind be happy this week and I'll join you here next week to talk about cork cheers to you